from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by CoachesEdge.coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. Four things we're covering in this episode, the importance of shooting, two guard front if you don't have a primary ball handler, the level of defense, can you up it, the intensity, and number four, numbered cutting, implementing numbered cutting with your team. Quick episode, but we cover a lot. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast, coming at you live from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It's been a little cold. Uh, the last couple of days, getting down into the 30s. Uh, but, you know, the nice thing about living down here is it always at least pops back up into the mid-50s pretty much every day, so that's good. Uh, talking about some of the things that I've picked up over this past week, last year, last year, last week I went to the, I was a scout for the Overseas Scouting Combine. We had about 80 players fly in from around the United States, men and women, play in front of myself, other scouts and agents for two days with the hopes of signing with an agency and getting a contract to play professional basketball this year overseas. <clears throat> Saying why why December? The season's already up and running. You would be correct. This is called the third wave. The third wave is basically as the break happens around Christmas, players get told not to come back. They get fired basically. So they get flown home. And they're not getting a ticket back to, to Germany. So they're, it's, it's a, you know, people a lot of times go home for Christmas, even if it's just for a few days. Uh, when you play overseas, it's a common time where they'll get new, new players. Uh, many times when I was playing overseas, that was, that was the case. You get new, a new teammate over Christmas break. So um, it's called the third wave. The first wave you get signed during the summer. The second wave you get signed like a couple weeks into the season after some players get cut and there's injuries that take place. And then the third wave is, is right now in December. So uh, fourth wave, I think would be, you know, like before teams are starting to push into the playoffs and things like that, they'll make some final tweaks to their roster. So it's the third out of the fourth wave, <clears throat> two days. It's always awesome. Um, I love being around like a guy like Dan Hughes, WNBA champion talking hoop with him is awesome. Kurt Pickering was a, uh, former NBA scout, awesome talking with him about the game, um, different agents and just what they're looking for from players and some of the things that stand out to them as far as getting players a job overseas is really cool. Um, so anyway, it, it was just it was just a really great experience. And so um, that combined with all the game film that I've been watching over this past week kind of puts together this episode uh, right here. So one takeaway from the combine that stood out to me was just the importance of shooting the basketball, you know, uh, and again, I know players are a little bit nervous. They fly here. They got a couple days to play their best, but there's a lot of missed shots. And I just, man, if you, if you're not like a knockdown shooter, unless you're this gigantic freak athlete that isn't going to have to rely upon shooting threes and, you got to be a knockdown shooter. You have to be able to shoot. And I'm not talking a good shooter. When you go overseas and you jump on a basketball team, pretty much every single person on that team 
can stroke. Like absolutely, if you're doing the shooting drills, spot shooting, random shooting, they're just make, 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 make. And you're like, wow, um, this is impressive. Because it's like everybody on the team, it doesn't matter if you're 5'10 or you're 6'10, guys can absolutely shoot. And, you know, you think about how a lot of games are won and lost and you look at the the stat sheet at the end of the day and be like, boy, this team just happened to shoot, you know, 10% higher from three than the other team, uh, 10% higher from the foul line than the other team. That's the game, right? So the ability to knock down shots was just a reminder for me. Uh, obviously, you know, you play overseas, you got to have some traits that stand out, athleticism, uh, the skills, obviously, you know, body type is big, you know, there's needs for positions that are more uh, common than others. Most teams are always looking for bigs, um, you know, bigger forwards that they can play. There's a million guards out there. So it's hard to get a job if you're a perimeter player in those positions. So shooting stood out to me. <clears throat> Another one, this is a combination of watching uh, some high school teams play and some conversations with some high school coaches who don't have a primary ball handler and asking like, how can we do a better job handling the ball against pressure and getting into our offense? And I'm just wondering, would it be easier to have like your offense is a two guard front, you know, and I, I whether you're, if you're on a five out, you see a lot of top two wings, two corners. Um, that's pretty common. You know, three out, it's top wings, high post, low post. It'd be like a one-three-one kind of setup. Um, can you team up and bring the basketball down the court? Right. Neither one of you is comfortable handling the basketball against too much pressure. So why don't we just bring the basketball down together? There's a little more passing involved. Right, keeping the defense guessing a little bit instead of trying to veer the ball handler because there isn't a true primary ball handler to get to a side. And so uh, I, I think for some high school teams that don't have a primary ball handler, for younger junior high teams, youth basketball teams, like this can be something that can help. Um, and actually, I mean, it, it even helped with the teams that we get for the, our overseas combine or random. So I got a team that had did not have a true point guard on the team. So the first day, you know, we tried to still have a point guard, but it was guys playing the point that weren't true point guards. And the next day we said, you know what, we're going to go two guard front, just going to kind of bring it down together. Everybody started playing better um, because nobody had that responsibility of setting the table. We kind of did it together as a team and our offense was much smoother and we played better the second day. So think about if you don't have that person to set the table for everybody else of shifting to a, a two guard front, just something to think about. You can still get into, you know, you still run dribble drive off of that. You can um, use the person at the high post. Like if you're running a two guard front and then you put your big at the high post slash top of the key, you can run cuts off of them. You can get into ball screens. You can get into pistols. You can get into zoom actions, like a ton of different things off of a setup where it's like a 2-1-2 two, two, uh, setup with a two-guard front. That can be pretty effective. Number three, 
defense, 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 defense. Um, as I'm watching high school teams play, there's different levels of intensity that teams give. And I understand a lot of that is determined by the coach, the design. Uh, but I would say most coaches, you know, you always want your kids to play as hard as they can, right? Uh, in some cases, you might be saying, boy, I wish our players just played harder. I think Jeff Mezzatesta, one of our Coach's Edge members in South Carolina, Carver's Bay, and to this day, I mean, I've never seen a team play harder on defense than his teams. And this is a yearly thing. I've known for a handful of years now. Of So they go deep. They'll pray, play just about everybody on the roster. But when you check in, you are playing defense like your hair's on fire. And it's it's another level of playing hard. Like teams go out and they play hard, but – Coach Mez, like his guys are playing with like such an intensity, such an urgency on defense that the other team, regardless of how much talent that they have, they end up turning the basketball over a ton. And it's like when you play Carver's Bay, you're going to have to beat them a certain way because they are coming after you. And now they have they have strategy and the funnel and rotations and different defenses and all this stuff. But overall, like they play so much harder than any other team I've ever seen play. And as I'm watching high school games, I, I just wonder if you're a team, especially one that you know, you're not gonna outscore a team, you're not gonna out talent a team, but then you know what? Like, can you just get after people? Can you make it? So they hate playing you. They hate playing you, right? And it may be even, you may give up some layups here and there, but you're wearing them down throughout the course of the game. And at some point they're going to fall apart. And that's how Coach Mez and his guys play. And it works. They've been one of the top teams in 1A for a very long time. So um, just a thought. Do you have a team, and you got to be deep if you want to play this way because your kid's going to run out of gas if you're only, you know, seven deep. You got to be deeper than that. You have to run substitute players a lot because they're going to get get tired playing at this intensity level. So I know that there's a specific um, type of roster you have to have to have for this team. Um, but, again, Coach Mez's teams have, have been an overachieving team. It's not like they've always had the most talent but they go after you. They come and get you. Is there another level of pressure defense that might help you this season? Just something to think about. And then the fourth one is numbered cutting. We'll probably do a separate episode on numbered cutting. Um, you know, if you think of like we have different coaches edge members who run numbered cutting. So uh, I think of how much easier it would be to be on the same page for different uh, players. If you just set up a number cutting system, if you're trying to get like a truly random motion offense going, um, like a basket cut would be a zero, a straight cut would be a one, a curl would be a two, a refusal of a screen would be a three, a flare screen would be a four, a ball screen would be a five, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I think like when I was coaching in Germany, and not a lot of the kid, the, all the kids knew English, but they didn't know like all the term terminology of basketball. 
how much this would have helped me coaching those boys because like they all knew numbers and I didn't know enough German to be able to, to speak to them. I could understand it more than I could speak it to give them like some numbered cuts, just be, you know, Hey, run zero, run one, run 12, you know, a straight cut. Next one's a curl cut. You know, you start to add these, not put these numbers together can be very beneficial. And if you have a team that could use a little more clarity within your offense, while also giving them the freedom to be able to make reads and make decisions, putting in a numbered cutting system could be a good thing for you. You know, one of our coaches edge members, um, so they call it their 50 offense because they run five out. And so if he says 50, that means they're running basket cut. So it's pass, basket cut, everybody rotates around. They say, hey, running 51, then it's always pass, screen away, and they're working on that straight cut. We've set those screens. It's important to off the ball to bring your defender a little lower. A lot of times we see, and I've been guilty of this as a player, is like if I'm up top and I pass to the right wing, I just go more or less to the left wing and try to screen whoever's there. But what I think is a little more effective to get into the curls and the slips and the refusals are getting that screen uh, down by the elbow, the wing needs to walk or get their defender in. And now from that elbow, we can work on straight cutting back out, curling it, rejecting it, slipping the screen, all those things. Because just getting that action to take place a little bit closer to the hoop makes it a little more dangerous because boom, if you hard curl that or you one slip that, the defense doesn't have as much time to react. You're already that much closer to the basket. So the location of some of those screens being closer to the elbow than the wing is really vital uh, as well. So like one, one of the teams I was working with this over Christmas or Thanksgiving break, excuse me, was, you know, so they had all their actions and, and they call it 50. So 50, 51, 52, everything started with five because it was five out. You could run this with a four out and call it 40 and then 41, 42, 43, um, you know, whatever you like. I know most coaches that I know don't put the five in there at all. They just say, hey, run zero, run one, and then they'll start to go, you know, run one five or 15, right? Which would be like a straight cut. And then the next action would be a ball screen, for example. And you start to stagger these actions together. So it's a good way to be able to give your players freedom. But at the same time, if you want to get the offense, um, an action, try to trigger uh, the ball a little bit, get them moving, get them into the flow. At the very least, like you could call, you know, hey, give me, give me 88, which would be a dribble handoff and another dribble handoff. So they kind of be like a little bit of a weave and then get into, you know, your offense. That could be an example of getting some movement um, within the offense that you have. So I think that if we're teaching this for younger players, can we teach them to basket cut? Let's say you're a junior high coach, a youth basketball coach. Can we teach them to basket cut? Can we teach them some of these basic screen reads of, a uh, straight cut. And so if somebody straight cuts, lot one in, one out. So if the top player passes to the right, 
and they screen down towards the left elbow. We're running a, a one or a straight cut. That wing player would bring the defender in and pop out to the top of the key. So we got one that came out. So we want one that goes in. So after you set that screen, you'd cut to the basket. After you cut to the basket, you'd fill opposite of where you passed. So because I passed to the right and then I screened down to the left elbow, the person who's in the left corner would lift up to the left wing. And after I basket cut, I didn't get it. Then I'd fill to the left corner. So now everybody's ro uh, we're rotating off of that left side because I passed to the right. Teaching some of those basics, uh, curl would be the opposite, right? So if I pass to the right and then I screen down at the left elbow and my cutter from the left wing brought their defender in and then they curled, well, the cutter curled, which means I'm going to pop back out. I pop directly back out to the top of the key. This is open a lot. I've seen this um, watching some some game film where you know player comes down, they set a screen, hard curl to the basket. Both defenders help for a split second. That screener pops right back to the top of the key and gets a wide open three. So that's a really good action for a shooter. Have them set that screen and then pop right back. We can refuse it. Right, so you go down to set that screen. The player from the, the wing, boom, will fake off. Boom, they basket cut. Again, the screener pops back up to the top of the key. Corner player fills up to the wing. And then the, the wing player who slipped to the basket, if they don't get it, they can hold it. They can post. They don't have it. Boom, then they're going to fill back out to the corner. You can still teach post-ups off of running five out. Uh, the last one that I want to mention, this is more of like a youth basketball middle school take. Um is teaching the dribble handoff more often. It's a great way to get motion within your offense when players struggle making passes because of a, a strength issue. You know, you look at how big the basketball court is for younger players. If I can't pass it to you, boy, can I dribble a little closer to you? You come a little closer to me. I pitch it or we hand off. And now we have two players that have moved. We have an action that may um, cause some miscommunication on the defense and then we can drive it, create a gap and have an advantage off of it. And the other thing I like about the handoff is teaching our kids. And this is a big one with a youth program that we run is telling players, boy, just because you're open doesn't mean they can get it to you because Maybe they're in a bad spot. Maybe it's great defense. Maybe they're being trapped. So if we can help the person with the ball, and a lot of times players will dribble the ball, they'll pick it up in a bad spot. Defense is all over them. They're in trouble. Instead of standing there and saying, hey, pass me the ball, I'm open, run behind them, get the handoff, boom, dr drive it hard off, off of that handoff just like they're setting the screen. It's a great way to minimize turnovers, you know, because what's the other option? That kid's pivoting, they're falling backward, they throw a bad pass that ends up getting stolen. So for us to be able to see when somebody's in trouble, run behind them and get that handoff is, is vital. So um, those would be a few things that I would start teaching at the younger levels to make those automatic and much easier by the time players get to, to high school is – you know, playing with basket cuts, filling and rotating around, um, understanding our screen reads, straight cut, curl, refuse it, flare, uh, and then working in dribble handoffs. And then from there, after you've covered those main things, then I would build out of it. You can obviously get multiple actions in off of just the things that we've covered alone. So think about that. Um, you know, quick review, shooting. 
like getting shots up, making shots is always a separator, regardless of level. If you have trouble bringing the basketball down, maybe you'd be a good candidate for more of a two guard front, like a two, one, two type offense. Uh, what's the intensity level that you play defense at? There's always a higher level. And then four, would it benefit you to implement some type of numbered cutting system? If you have any questions on that, let me know. I'd be happy to give you more detail on, you know, number cutting and uh, what some of that looks like. We do have different coaches edge members that run some of that pretty effectively as well. So thank you for listening to the coaches edge podcast. Anything I can do for you, let me know. Uh, we're digging into some really great stuff with our passer screener cutter drill. Just uploaded that to coaches edge um, zone offense clinic, uploading that to coaches edge. Um, I got a meeting tonight as we're recording this. Some of our coaches, Edge members, I'm looking forward to. So thanks for listening. Get after it today.